Let's welcome Amy, shall we? I got a wolf whistle from my husband, so that's good. <laughs> Thankfully it was him. That would have been weird, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, shall we pray before I start? <coughs> well, Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence here. And we ask for more of your presence, Lord. We ask, we humbly ask that you would come and reveal yourself in greater measure over the next a few hours and tomorrow, Lord. I pray that you would reveal yourself. And I ask now in the name of Jesus that you would anoint me for this moment, that you would give me your words. I pray that anything that's not of you would just fall to the floor. And anything that is of you, I pray, would stick and go deep, Lord. And I ask that you would open our hearts up to receive what you have. I just really feel like the Lord has got uh, so much for us this weekend. And I feel the invitation is to be open, allow him, have the expectation that he really wants to fill you. And so, Lord, we come with open hearts and we say, help us to be open. Help us to receive all that you have. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We haven't seen me yet. I'm Amy, uh, married to Johnny. Um, and it really is such a privilege to be here. Thank you so much for inviting us. I mean, the view, I mean, <laughs> says it all. We've been given such a sweet bedroom. So we open up the curtains and we're just in the sea. It's like amazing. Anyway, so it's a real treat. And you guys are amazing. You seem so kind uh, and so full of the Lord. So thank you. Um, as I, uh, I, we sadly, uh, at our church, at Trinity Church Nottingham, uh, we sadly had a woman who died quite suddenly um, over Christmas. Uh, she had been battling um, with a particular health uh, issue, and she didn't know what it was, but anyway, it turned out that it was a brain disease, and she actually died quite suddenly. Um, so it was a huge shock to uh, us as a congregation, and also, obviously, her family around her. And, uh, and she had asked that I take the funeral. Um, and so I took this funeral two weeks ago, um, and I had never taken a funeral before. Never taken a funeral before. And, uh, and as I walked behind the coffin with the family present and uh, people grieving all around me, I sort of had this sort of slightly out-of-body moment, this sort of out-of-body experience. And I thought to myself, how on earth how on earth have i got here how on earth have i got here if i had told 18 year old amy <laughs> that i would be a vicar in the church of england and leading people in mourning loved ones at a funeral i honestly would have thought they had gone completely mental and honestly if you saw 18-year-old Amy, you would have also thought, nah, <laughs> there is no way that that is in her future. I grew up in a, a Christian home, uh, went to church, but I never owned my faith. It was never something that really uh, belonged to me. Um, I just sort of went through the motions and sort of did the, you know, going to church thing. 
Anyway, sort of grew away from church, um, stopped going, and then I went to university. Um, and having had quite a sort of good upbringing, everything seemed to go pretty well, schooling and all of that was fine. I got to university and it was awful. It was a horrible time for me. Um, it was like I, was, um, I sort of saw myself differently in the mirror and it wasn't pretty. I had a lot of self-hatred going on that sort of, uh, I guess, exhibited um, bad, healthy patterns of living. Anyway... And towards the end of my university years, I randomly, and I say this is down to my mum's prayers, uh, but I randomly had this moment at a very dark time that I should pick up my Bible and see if, if Jesus is who he says he is. You know, what is this Christian thing all about? My parents have been banging on about it all our lives, you know. What is it all about? Picked it up, started to read the Bible. And I began this journey of trying to work out whether God was real. Anyway, finished university, um, and after university, I went on a trip around the world with another uh, fellow university friend who wasn't a Christian. And at this point, I had done so many alphas and said the prayer so many times. It was like I was completely convinced in my head that Jesus is who he says he is, you know, that, that he really, he was alive, you know, historical evidence for his life. And I believed that, yeah, all right, you're the son of God, brilliant. But I wasn't seeing any life change. I wasn't seeing um, any fruit. I was still uh, experiencing huge amounts of self-hatred and anxiety and bad habits um, in my own life. And so I sort of was sort of dwindling a little bit. Anyway, ended up in Australia. And, uh, and there was this moment where I was invited to go to uh, a conference in Sydney. And I happened to be in Sydney. Um, anyway, ended up there for a long story. And, uh, and there was this moment uh, within this uh, tent in Sydney uh, where someone said to come, come forward if you want to say yes to Jesus. And I came forward um, and I put my hands out and I said, I beg you to make yourself known to me. I beg you to make yourself known to me. If you make yourself known to me, dangerous prayer, if you make yourself known to me, I am yours I am completely and utterly yours. I will do whatever you want. I just have to know that you're real. And I stood there for a long time. It felt like a really long time, but I wasn't budging. It was like, I'm not budging until you show yourself to me. Um, and, uh, and in that moment, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I had never encountered the Spirit like that before. All over my body, quite a... a a powerful encounter with God. Um, and it was a beautiful moment full of the love of God. But the most amazing thing is that I went to bed that night and I woke up and it was like complete life change. It was like my eyes, that horrible, um, the horrible vision that I saw of myself when looking in a mirror at university was wiped and it was like, I knew who I was. It was like, I'm a daughter of the king. Like, don't come, no, you know, don't come near me. Do you know who I am? Do you know whose I am? You know, it was this like dignity that came upon me, you know. Um, anyway, from that moment on, I am 41 now. Uh, it was a long time ago. Uh, but from that, really, I'm, in my foot, sort of 20 years or so uh, from that moment, I have learned and I am continuing to learn that taking hold of Jesus's hand, taking his hand and saying, do with me what you want to go, take me wherever you want to take me. 
like, help me to take risks for your kingdom. It's like taking his hand daily has been the best adventure, not easy, really, really flipping hard when breaking fear and anxiety and all of that. But taking his hand has been the most fulfilling and rewarding adventure I could ever, ever have experienced. Um, and I have done things and I'm still calling me, he's still calling me into things that I'm like, like a funeral. Like, how on earth am I a vicar in the Church of England? Only Jesus, only the power of Jesus in my life. I've spent too long saying that, but there you are. Anyway, uh, Johnny spoke earlier uh, about personal renewal, that personal renewal really starts with a vision of God. Um, and Isaiah saw God. He saw God and it changed everything. It ruined him. I love that. It ruined him. Um, a bit like my story when I was 21. It ruined me. And I'm like, ruin me again. I want to be ruined again and again and again. I don't want to stop being ruined. To, you know, when, I, when we see him, it's like, let me see you more. I want to see more and more where I don't care about me anymore. I just want to please him. I just want to do whatever he wants me to do. And, uh, and in that, Isaiah had an accurate view of himself. Oh, don't you long for an accurate view of self? It's like we get in the way of, of God so often, don't we? Anyway, as I was prepping the message, Johnny and I were sort of working through this Isaiah passage. For me, uh, the, the verse that really, really jumped out to me was the, the verse, it was verse 8. When God says, and the Lord says, whom shall I send? And Isaiah then says, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. What a prayer. What a prayer. Isaiah is completely sold out, completely sold out in this moment. Whatever you want, whatever you want, Lord. He doesn't know at this moment what is required. He doesn't know what he's asked to say, what he's asked to do. He just says, send me, send me, whatever the cost. And I felt for a while now that God is calling, he is beckoning his church into greater dependence upon him. To be completely surrendered to him. To be followers, to be sheep, trusting the shepherd with our whole lives, regardless of where it leads. Obedience full stop. Obedience when we don't know the end. Obedience when it's rubbish at the end. But it's obedience full stop. And I felt like a year, uh, I guess uh, four, four years ago now, I really felt like the Lord was saying to me that he was raising up a weak army. That he was raising up a weak army. Not moral weakness, but a weakness in, in the sense of dependence upon him. Complete dependence upon him. So aware of our need of him. Like the Apostle Paul says, for when I am weak, I am strong. And I think, you know, he wants his church to stop trying to be strong. <laughs> stop trying to be strong, but find a greater strength when we radically depend and devote our lives to Jesus. Only Jesus. That is where our strength is found. And, you know, this type of army, this army is the army that's ready to make some serious damage for the kingdom of God. Because it, it, it can't be in our own strength. True authority given by Jesus. Okay, so how do we become a here I am, send me person? Who wants to become a here I am, send me person? <laughs> or a church, 
You guys, you're the here I am, send me church. You know, who doesn't want that? (laughs) As Johnny unpacked earlier, it starts obviously with a renewed vision. It starts with a renewed vision. Isaiah had a renewed vision, an encounter. Uh, He found a greater love. And so if it starts there, then what is, and we're going to pray for that later. We are going to pray for a renewed vision of God. But what then is the posture? If we're having a renewed vision, that that gets us to the place of saying, here I am, send me. What then is the posture of a here I am, send me person? I have a few thoughts and then we're going to close. Okay. A here I am, send me person goes as a child. Goes as a child. I was putting my eight-year-old to bed the other day, um, and she's um, slightly frightened of going to bed. Anyway, so she wants us to sit by her door, and she listens to story tapes, and she's particularly uh, minute listening to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Come on! I mean, I think Johnny has listened to that multiple times now. I think we can sort of say it. Anyway, I was outside her door listening to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory again. <laughs> and, uh, and as I was sat there, uh, the particular moment was chapter 30, And it really sparked my attention. I feel like the Holy Spirit sort of opened my ears to hear this bit. Um, Where Willy Wonka uh, is, go and read it. I can't, I haven't got time to sort of go into it if you don't know it. I'm sure most of you know Willy, uh, Charlie Chocolate Anyway, Willy Wonka uh, was in this moment where it got to chapter 30 and he is giving the uh, reins of this big factory to little Charlie. Okay, so he's sort of saying, you know, here you go, little Charlie, this is yours now. Anyway, got to this bit where grandfather says, you know, it's a little bit like, what are you, are you mental? Like, why are you giving this massive factory to little Charlie? And Willy Wonka says this, and this is where my ears pricked up, said, there are thousands of clever men that would give anything for the chance to take over from me. But I don't want that sort of person. I don't want a grown-up person at all. A grown-up won't listen to me. He won't learn He will try and do things his own way and not mine. So I have to have a child, a good, sensible, loving child to whom I can tell all my precious, sweet-making secrets. (laughs) I was like, ah, conviction. I was like, that reminds me of something. You know, it's sort of taking me to Luke 18 where Jesus is like, truly I tell you, anyone who will not, who will receive the kingdom of God, uh, anyone Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And I was like, oh, thanks, Lord. You know, thank you for that. I take that. I'm going to come as a child. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And then sometimes he needs to shout, doesn't he? Yeah, it's like, I'm not sure she's got this. Anyway, the next uh, morning I woke up and I had my quiet time just reading the Bible. And, uh, and I was reading Kings, and it just so happened uh, that I was reading 1 Kings 3, where King David has died, and Solomon was taking over. And it was this beautiful, this beautiful uh, moment, where I'm sure you are all familiar, where Solomon makes a plea to the Lord, and open it if you want, but 1 Kings 3 says, but I am, so Solomon's saying to the Lord, I am only a child. Literally read this the next morning, but I am only a child. And I do, not how, do, I do not know how to carry out my duties. He goes on to ask for wisdom and discernment. You know, Solomon humbles himself, acknowledging he doesn't know what to do. How many of us are like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to carry out my duties. I don't know how to carry out what the Lord is asking of me. 
he humbles himself. And the beautiful thing is God's response. It pleases him. Saying, God, I'm only a child. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. That pleases the Lord. That pleases the Lord. More of God means less of us, humbling, our, humbling ourselves to come and go as little children. I love this quote from a uh, soul-keeping book. If you haven't read it, it's brilliant, by jo- John Ortberg. He says, our souls begin to grow in God when we acknowledge our basic neediness. We go as a child of God and with the humility of a child. Okay, so firstly, a here I am, send me person goes as a child. Secondly, a here I am, send me person remains in him. We are invited into partnership with God. I was reached, uh, sort of preaching the other day, um, and after preaching, I was chatting to the Lord, as I often do, uh, you know, asking, I was like, oh, Lord, was that okay? Did I say the right thing? You know, were you pleased? <laughs> um, and I felt like God was saying to me, what are you talking about? We do everything together. I think I so often, it's a really simple thing, but I so often think that God asks me to do something for him. And I am then sent to do it. And he's just sort of watching on. And sure, I'm empowered with the spirit, you know, by the spirit and stuff. I'm, I'm aware of that. But it's like he's just watching on. And then afterwards, I sort of have a chat. It's like, was that all right? Did I do the right thing? You know, and, he, and he's sort of saying, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. I'm always with you. This is a partnership. And then he showed me this picture uh, of a diffuser. Can I have the diffuser, my little assistant here? Thank you. <laughs> and he was saying, <coughs> he's saying this is, a, this is a partnership. And then he showed me this picture of a diffuser. And the, the picture that I saw in my mind had like a clear bottle so I could see um, the perfume. And I nicked this from the hotel room. Um, I will put it back, I promise. And he said to me, Amy, you're, you're a stick. You're a stick in my diffuser. My job is to stay in the perfume. My job is to stay in his presence. And then I, he, will distribute the aroma and my presence wherever he pleases and in the ways that he wants. And I thought, what an amazingly perfect illustration of Jesus speaking about remaining in him. In John 15, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus says he is the vine and we are the branches. You know, what does this mean? In brief, vineyards in the scripture, they were a symbol of Israel. And so Jesus is saying, I am the true Israel, Israel the fulfillment of what has gone before. I am the source of fruit, the source of all life, and you are the branch. I am, we are the stick. A branch is completely useless without the vine. It can't live. And so Jesus is talking about life and death. It's not a sort of added extra. It's like life and death. This isn't sort of a minor thing. And it starts with us recognizing that we are a branch We are a branch. It takes humility, doesn't it, to acknowledge our need of Jesus, but utterly essential. If we want to be in this weak army, it starts here. 
And honestly, for me, this is such a relief. <laughs> it's such a relief. Because when we think we're more than a branch, we will labor in vain. We will labor in vain, trying so hard in our own strength. Because we are utterly incapable of fixing ourselves or anyone else or the world. And we come to the vine imperfect. We don't fix up our branch and then stick it on to the vine. It doesn't work like that, does it? Are any of you exhausted trying to break addictions in your life, ways of thinking, anxiety, sort of fixing up this branch, then I'll come to the vine. It doesn't work like that. What a beautiful reality that we don't have to be the vine. Ugh. What a beautiful reality that we don't have to be. We don't have to be perfect because he is perfect. We don't have to be strong because our strength is found in the vine. Anything of kingdom value is only achieved through our connection to Jesus. That's massive. Anything of kingdom value is only achieved through our connection to Jesus. Are we connected to Jesus? Because we can actually see sort of fake life, but it's not true life if it's not in connection with Jesus. And so we come to the vine and all the good, the mess, the ugly, and allow him to be the vine of our lives. His grace is sufficient. And what does it mean? In short, it basically means to stay connected, to be sat, to be dwelling in his presence. And we stay connected by building and cultivating intimate relationship with Jesus. I talk about intimacy moments, like build intimacy moments into your life where only he and you know about it. That's how you remain in his presence, like building this intimacy with him. Depend on him for everything, absolutely everything. Trust him, trust him. Draw from him, <laughs> like the branch draws from the vine for life. Draw from him, seek him. Put him first in everything you do. Seek his will for your life. What if he's got a greater story? What if there are kingdom dreams that he wants to impart that are just crazy in your mind? What if they aren't crazy in his mind? Speak to him, serve him, be faithful to him. <sighs> I'm learning very, very slowly that he wants me. <laughs> that he just wants me. He just wants me to be with him. And going back to the diffuser image, it's this upside down way of thinking Everything, everything required, everything that is needed is given when we remain. I am astounded by when I choose to sit in his presence, when I choose to be with him. It's like I'm equipped for the task ahead. It sort of feels like, oh no, I should be doing things for the task ahead. And it's like, no, everything that is needed is found in him. Because Jesus says when we remain in him, he promises to remain in us. 
We share our life with him and he shares his with us. What a deal. The world doesn't need more flipping Amy's. Seriously, it doesn't need more of you. It needs more of Jesus. And when we remain in him, we receive Jesus' life. We receive his identity as a child of God that gives us great boldness. We receive his heart for his people and his heart for the world. We begin to feel what he feels. We begin to see what he sees. And we receive true authority. The same power that conquered the grave lives in us when we remain. We are connected to that authority. And then thirdly, coming into land. Am I doing all right for time? I didn't, am I? This is quick. Thirdly, a here I am, send me person has a vision of heaven. A here I am, send me person has a vision of heaven. This isn't our resting place. If we think it is, we will not find strength for the now. We won't say, here I am, send me, because we will want to find comfort and control in this life. It will hold us back. Although we are filled with the presence of Jesus, we are not yet home. We are not home. This isn't the end. And we know this in our heads. I certainly know this in my head, right, you know. That one day we're going to be with Jesus in eternity. We read uh, verses, don't we? Like, don't store up your treasure on earth. There's treasure in heaven. Or to live is Christ and to die is gain. Or Esther, I was reading Esther. You know, if I perish, I perish. And it's like, yes, but it's like flipping heck. You know, how on earth do I get there? How do I get there where I'm like, if I perish, I perish? How do you break the fear of death? It's living with a different perspective. And I think living with a different perspective means that we have to have a vision of heaven, a vision of the prize. Like meditate regularly on the prize, the vision of heaven. Daryl Johnson wrote this amazing commentary that maybe some of you have read called Discipleship on the Edge. And it's incredible. It actually makes Revelation understandable in an incredibly powerful way. And he says this, is it right, given all the challenges of the present, to take time to focus on the future? Is not thinking about the future, however one conceives it, a royal cop-out? Is it right for us now, generation people, to spend valuable time thinking about the future? His answer, it is virtually impossible not to do so. Our picture of the future automatically shapes the way we live in the present. We live out in the present what we think the future holds. Our strength comes from knowing this isn't the end. Like in Romans, where Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed. So what does this glory look like? I'm going to read Revelation 21. And I need you to engage your imagination. Maybe when you close your eyes, just for this moment, as I give you a glimpse, or the Bible (laughs) gives you a glimpse of where we're going. Revelation 21. Then I saw... A new heaven and a new earth. 
For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for, old, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making all things new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. This doesn't mean brand new, it means renewed. That everyone will be made new. That we will be resurrected with Christ into new creation. And the holy city coming out of heaven from God. Our future hope, this renewal of all things, is to happen from above. Not something we can achieve or make happen, but to wait eagerly, as if waiting for the greatest gift you could possibly imagine. So other, so beyond, so much better than we can comprehend. Too good to grasp. And there will be no more sea. And the sea in the scriptures represents the chaos. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or babies dying, abuse victims, relational breakdown. There'll be no more cancer diagnosis. And God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. He will make home with us. Daryl says this, God is there everywhere. In all God's splendor and majesty and power and holiness and healing and love. What a beautiful thing to long for. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making all things new. Our hope and vision of heaven is a person the person of Jesus, that he will wipe every tear from your eye. Such an intimate picture that we will one day see Jesus face to face. Just imagine that, that one day we will see Jesus face to face, that he is the prize. When we say, here I am, send me, we go with the hope that we will one day see Jesus face to face. To end with this, Daryl Johnson says, heaven is all about a person, which is why the last book of the Bible is all about a person. It's the revelations of Jesus Christ, the revelations by Jesus about Jesus. I'm sure this is why, as my grandfather died just before he took his last breath, 
he said to my father and his brothers, oh boys, he's beautiful. Heaven is all about a person. Here I am, send me, is all about the person. Is all about the person of Jesus that we will one day see face to face when all has been made new. And so to be a here I am, send me person, we go as a child. We remain in him. And we have a vision of heaven. Why don't we stand? Ms. Connect. Have a moment where I invite the presence of God. Maybe just where you are. In our tradition, we just uh, put our hands out in front of us just as a way of um, simply with our body saying, Lord, I'm here, I'm open, I'm willing, I want to receive uh, what you have for me. So maybe just close your eyes for a minute and if you're willing and want to, just put your hand out in front of you. And so Jesus, we just thank you that you're here. Jesus, we thank you that you're here. I think some of you are seeing Jesus' face and so Lord, we just ask now that you would just continue to reveal your face to your church. Just let it come, just let it come. 